Hey friends, welcome to the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about four rhythms that help you reduce stress and anxiety and take charge of your emotional health. Rest, restore, connect, create. These ideas come from Rebecca's best-selling book, Rhythms of Renewal, trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's live in rhythm. Hi, this is Gabe, and welcome, and we're so glad that you've joined us today for this conversation you're going to hear in just a moment with Rebecca and Gretchen Soffels. I'll tell you more about her and more about where this conversation is going in a moment, but you're going to be refreshed by it. It's going to be the perfect way as you are settling into like the rhythm of abiding, of rest, of making sure you're filled up before you pour out. You're going to be encouraged today by this conversation. And I just want to say, as you continue forward in this community, continue to invite people into it. We're always so encouraged by the comments, the feedback. Uh, Many of you who've posted reviews on this podcast invited your friends and family, your daughters, your parents, people who you know are walking through their own struggle with developing rhythms and figuring out how does this all work. And it's not a one-time solution. It's one of these things we keep coming back to on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, or we find ourselves getting off track and losing sight of some of these rhythms, and we get too busy connecting and creating and not resting and not restoring. And so it's difficult to do all of these at the same time, but it's possible, and it's possible in community. So I hope you'll continue to encourage others. Don't do this alone. Don't lose heart if you feel like you've gotten off track, and maybe you listening to this today is one way back on track. And so I hope it encourages you today. I also want to remind you, in just a couple of weeks, we're going to be here in Franklin. We have room for about five more couples to join us for this awesome opportunity with Dr. Emerson Egrich and Dr. Sissy Goff talking about our marriages and getting renewal in our marriages. And so if you're somebody who it's not too late for you to join us and you want to take one of those spots, go to the website at rebeccalyons.com slash retreat. That stands for Marriage and Parenting slash P retreat, and you can get one of those last remaining spots. And we'll look forward to spending time with you for a couple of days here in Frank. It'll be a great time, very fun. Well, today I'm excited to introduce you to Gretchen Savels. If you don't know her, she's the founder of Well Watered Woman, and she also released her first book on that subject called The Well Watered Woman. And when you hear those terms, The Well Watered Woman, it resonates so much with Rebecca. She loves the story of the woman at the well, but also this understanding of water and where this wellspring of life truly comes from. And that's what they're talking about today. They're going to have this conversation without me but a conversation between two women talking about what does it mean to truly abide? What does it mean for us to be filled up with the love of Christ and His grace as we move forward into a chaotic world? And so let's listen to them. Hey, Gretchen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me today. Oh, my goodness. I'm excited. I am a fan of your work, your writing, and The Well-Watered Woman is a theme in my life personally from yeah. years and years ago when uh, a couple girlfriends and I started something in Nashville called The Well Citywide, and it was all about the woman in the well in John 4, mm. and what if we gathered women all across our city from, it wound up being about 150 churches once a month to worship in spirit and in truth, and then to go out and tell everything Jesus ever said. So I just love what you're about. And I'm excited to jump in today because I'd love to start with 
Um, what began this for you? What What was the catalyst in your life that just made you go, I don't want to live in a way that's dry and empty, but from a well of abundance? Yeah. So I became a believer when I was seven years old and loved Jesus, but still loved following the rules. And legalism was something that led my life. And as I got older and became even more of a people pleaser, it started leading me away from the grace of Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't until I was in college and battled with an eating disorder, something that I never, ever would have thought that I would have struggled with, that I came to my very lowest point. It was this bathroom floor breaking point when I found myself on my college room bathroom floor, just weeping with um, my hair was falling out because I hadn't been feeding my body the nutrients that it needed. And God opened my eyes to see my desperate need for him. I had been following after the things of this world, trying to find my identity and how I looked and what I could achieve, what people thought of me. And he brought me to this point where I saw his grace in a new way, just like you were talking about with the woman at the well. Christ met her in her moment of need. And instead of offering her physical water, she came to the well to actually fill up her water jar. He offered her grace and he offered her himself, who is the living water. And in that moment, Christ offered me himself, this living water that always satisfies and it never runs dry. And ever since then, I, I've found myself in other situations. I've struggled with anxiety and panic. And um, Rebecca, from following you and reading your books, I know you've struggled with that before in the past. Mm -hmm. God, again, has brought me back to this well of truth and grace and mercy, and He offers us a fresh start. And so He's used my lowest moments, my moments where I saw my humanity and my frailty just right before my eyes to show me his grace and mercy. I I love these moments. I love that you have a moment where you are on the bathroom floor and you're kind of at that lowest of the low. And the reason why I like to highlight these moments is because I think for all of us, if we haven't experienced some level of personal transformation, it's really hard to live a way of abundance. Like you can't self-help your way into right. healing and uh, it, definitely not into like a resurrection life or power, yes. a life of power and authority and all those things. And so I always, in all my travels or in all these kind of conversations, I always want to know about that moment, like what got you there? How did you even know in that moment that you were in that moment? Yeah. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? Like the woman at the well, she was just going for water. She's just like, I'm doing the thing. My head's down. I got to go when other people aren't around because I have them so covered in shame. Mm. But little did she know Jesus was there waiting for her. And I think that's true for a lot of us that are walking through trial and pain and hardship. We have our head down and we're covered in shame. And we don't have any idea that Jesus is actually waiting for us. He wants to transform and deliver us. And so give me a little more detail. I'm sorry. I like all yeah. the color. Yes. <laughs> but just in that season, right? So eating disorders don't just start, you know. Right. There's always a backstory to that. And it it's interesting. There's been several people on the show who that was kind of the genesis of the story, but it really isn't ever the genesis, right? There's something that's before that. And I think a lot of moms listening or even teen girls listening would like to kind of hear when was the onset of the eating disorder? What do you think that was attached to? And then what was that moment on the bathroom floor in college? How did you get from, from the beginning of the eating disorder to there? So like you said, those moments, and they always have roots. 
something that started this belief system that drives us to drink from empty wells. For me, um, it went back to idolizing perfection and wanting to be perfect, wanting to be the good girl, fearing anything that even remotely resembled failure in my life. So I worked really hard growing up to be the person that had it all together. And when I say that, this is an external having it all together. I knew on the inside that I needed something more. I knew I couldn't self-help my way out of it, even though I tried and tried to find freedom from perfection. And those are really tied together, the eating disorder and then the onset of panic that would come later. It was those roots rearing their head, their ugly head again in my life, showing me that this desire for perfection is something that will be a never-ending marathon. But it can actually lead me to Christ when I recognize that I can't win this race. I can't win the race for perfection. Yeah, so what what number are you in the birth order of your siblings? I am last. I'm the youngest. Of how many? Of three. Okay. Do you remember a moment in your adolescence where there was a thing you had to get, you just had to get it right? Like you had to be perfect at it. Um, do you remember you know a memory what's interesting? of that? Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you say that I remember when I got it wrong and mm. when I decided that I would never get it wrong again. Oh, wow. Tell us about and that. And this was actually in second grade. Okay. And Rebecca, I am all for counseling and praise God for Christian counselors who have helped me uncover these identity roots and lies that began a long, long time ago. And I remember being at a Christian school And I had a test that I took. And for some reason, they had us grade our own papers in Mm -hmm. second grade. Mm -hmm. I remember going up, seeing one of my answers was incorrect um, compared to somebody else's. And I I changed my answer on the test and turned it in and immediately started crying. I knew I had done something wrong. I confessed to my teacher and they brought my, my mom in. She actually taught at this school. I had to talk to the principal. It became something so big. Wow. And I felt so much Did the, did the shame. whole class like know this happened or was it just they, you and a teacher? It was just me and the teacher. They could see that something had happened though, because I was crying. I had to go out of the yeah, classroom. I remember thing. it was a huge, huge thing. And I didn't even cover it up. I mean, it was literally turn the paper in, start crying. And I remember thinking, I won't ever let this happen again. Wow. This shame that flooded my life, um, you know, this feeling of being a failure of not measuring up, it began so young. And not long after that, we lived in Texas. We moved to Georgia and I started a new school. And I, I just remember thinking, I'm going to get it right. Mm. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to yeah. work really hard. <laughs> yes. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to achieve I'm going to be liked, um, and and I'm going to get it all right. Okay. So, so you're what you're touching on, though. I, I, I'm I'm dying that your mom was also a teacher. What what grade yeah. did she teach? She taught a lot of different things. Okay. So she was teaching fifth grade then, but okay. she was a music teacher, an art teacher. Several. Yeah. yeah. Now it's one thing to get in trouble for changing your answer. It's another thing to be one of the teacher's daughters and get in trouble because basically it's like the whole, not just your identity, it's your mom's, it's the family. My mom was a fourth grade teacher when yeah. I was in fourth grade. I was in the other class because I couldn't have my mom's teacher. But I do remember making like a horrible mistake. Um, I was like one of those kids at the back of the playground who 
just said like words that weren't great just to be funny. And somehow that gets back to my mom, that gets to the principal, that becomes this massive confrontation. So I feel like I'm listening to my my (laughs) elementary experience at a Christian school as well. And it did the same for me. And as far as like, wow, you better just get your, get your, crap in order. You know, like you cannot be an embarrassment to your A yourself or B anyone else. And that shame is so loud that it will drive you to perform for love for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life if you're not careful. Right. Yeah. And then I perform for the love of God too. That's where it started to overflow into my walk with the Lord. I thought if I mess up, God is angry with me. If I don't um, follow every single rule, do all the things that good Christian girls should be doing, then God isn't going to love me. He's going to be disappointed in me. I started to pull those things into my life. And I'll add to, I was also a, a preacher's kid too. Yeah. So not you know, only was- Just, just swirl yeah. it all together. Exactly. Yep. yep. And so, and they, there's no margin of error when you have a parent who's in a leadership role like that. You know, people would hold me and my siblings to a standard that was unreachable as kids. Um, But I internalized that. Wow. So then the place that you can control is food. You know, eating is always attached to control. And this becomes like the one place where you can kind of have the say. Did you condemn yourself a lot? throughout that eating disorder or was it almost like an escape? It was an escape and I was blinded for a while. Um, I had this goal, you know, of, okay, if I can get to this size, if I can have this control, if I can eat like this, then, then I'm going to be beautiful. Then I'm going to be wanted by a man someday. Then, um, I will have achieved something that is worthwhile. And so when the pounds started coming off and the control was taking over my life, I was blinded by it. I couldn't see. And it took other people to show me the the pit that I had fallen into and really the pit that I had dug for myself. And I remember being in a dressing room with my mom, finally reaching the size that I felt like was the beautiful size. Like I finally made it. And this was about, I mean, I was way, way underweight. And so I remember standing in front of the mirror, putting these clothes on thinking, I finally done it. And I looked at my mom looking for that approval that again, goes way, way back, this desire for approval. And I saw brokenness in her eyes. I saw tears in her eyes and she expressed her concern for me. And I remember we were going to eat after that. And I told her, I can't eat. I, I have no desire to eat anymore. And just breaking down, it was like God opened my eyes because we were going to eat a food that I had always loved. I had always loved eating um, at, at this restaurant, Carabas. And I saw the menu and I said, I can't eat anything on this menu. And that is when the Lord opened my eyes to see my body and its frailty, but to see my soul and in its brokenness and its need. So is that close to the moment? that you're in college or this was? Yes, that is in that moment. And it wasn't long after that. So I realized that, that this was a struggle. And then my hair started falling out because, you know, sometimes we realize, okay, this is an issue, but I can, again, I thought I can get it under control. (laughs) It's like the, the control flipped. So I'm thinking I can control my food. Well, now I can get my eating disorder under control. And when my hair started falling out and I was on my bathroom floor and it was, it was just all in my fingers. I saw it in my shower drain and I went to one of my roommates and I asked her, she was a a good friend of mine. I said, Sarah, is my hair falling out? 
like, am I making this up or have you noticed that my hair is falling out? And she said, yes. And I remember going to my room and just crying and, and my roommates ended up confronting me about my eating disorder, but the confrontation was in a way that I felt shamed and embarrassed. I didn't Mm -hmm. feel loved by it. I felt exposed, um, kind of just naked for everybody to see my struggle. Um, There's struggles that people have that they can just keep behind closed doors, but an eating disorder also affects you physically. So people could see my struggle and I felt so exposed, so worthless. And I remember praying to the Lord and just saying, I feel like you're never going to use me again. (laughs) I feel like this has disqualified me from running the race, from having a testimony that shares about God's glory and grace. And he instead responds to me and shows me in scripture and just in, in the word and life that this actually was my testimony. This was the making of my testimony. This was a glorious opportunity to grasp his grace, to revel in it, to share it with other people. And here I am today. I mean, this was 14, 15 years ago. And here I am today talking to you, sharing this story of God's rescue and redemption for his glory and ultimately for the good of his people. And so if I could, you know, see myself back then and talk to myself, I would just encourage her to say, your story is not over. This is not the definition of who you are. This is not the end chapter of the book of your life. This is a part of the story. But God's healing hand, His redemption is near and it is at work. Samaritan Ministries is a community of Christians who live out Galatians 6-2 by bearing one another's burdens when a medical need arises. And I want to encourage each of you to check this out. In this new year, As you're looking at your budget, as you're trying to evaluate where can you cut costs, where could there be a savings, I know when we talk about medical needs, that can create a lot of nervousness. But Samaritan's Ministries has created such a way to do this. It's so unique, and it actually saves you so much money. It's not traditional insurance, but you do have the freedom to choose the doctor, hospital, and pharmacy that works best for you and your family. And then Samaritan members directly share those medical expenses with one another. It's affordable. You can join today. Go talk to them. Figure out what would this cost for your family and consider if you're in a transition or you're looking at that budget, I think you'll be impressed with what they can provide. So you can learn more at SamaritanMinistries.org slash RFL podcast. That's SamaritanMinistries.org slash RFL podcast. So the girl who is aware and wants it to be done and wants this rescue and is maybe starting to experience it or maybe the Lord just can't leave her alone, <laughs> right? Yes. Yep. So for the girl who's had this longevity of control, approval, like a desperate need for approval, because again, what you experienced with your roommates was a repeat of second grade. Um, this is like public display of like, you don't have your act together and your determination to fix it didn't work. So then there's all the more despair that's attached to that, like how is this going to look different? So then God gives you an idea like this is actually your story. You don't have to hide from it because I think even like you said, while an eating disorder might be public, it's still um, something that 
people who are walking through that carry a lot of shame and don't want to talk about or acknowledge. Um, Even though they personally know about it, they don't want to let on like it bothers them or that it's a thing. And so this girl that God's like, wait a minute. So when did you feel, A, freedom to even begin to share about it in a way that might be part of a testimony because you're a work in progress. It's not like you don't talk about what God is doing until you're you've arrived. Because I, I always tell people like like if I were to wait to talk about when God gave the fullness of Rebecca, yes. <laughs> I would still be sitting silent. You know, like we are a work in progress. So how long was that period? Because it's not just like oh you felt despair and then God's like no I'm turning it for good and then all of a sudden you got up and all was well. Like that I think is the season that we don't talk about enough. It's like when the transformation begins and that encounter with God meets you when your hair is falling out and all is lost and He gives you a whisper of hope. There's still a walking that out and not being covered in shame with it as you heal. So talk to the girl who wants to heal, is ready to heal. God has met her in her lowest point. She just doesn't know how to begin. Yeah. Well, healing is a long road. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i the kind of person that wishes transformation happened overnight. And there are, there are times when transformation happens overnight, but there's still a process that unfolds after that. And an eating disorder also goes back to our mind and our thinking. And when we're in that rut, we're creating these grooves in our mind of just of a disordered way of thinking and seeing the world. And so I would want to encourage that person. This is a process and to embrace the process, not to go through it alone and not to get discouraged and weary when the battle starts to get fierce again, when the lies start to go on repeat again, when the fears start to rev up in your heart again, it's a battle and God has given us the victory through Christ. And so we fight not in our own strength. We fight with the victory of Christ as our sword, our shield, the word of God that bears us up, that leads us in the way of everlasting life. This is a journey that you're gonna walk through you know, desert storms, you're going to walk through valleys, mountaintops, every single thing that you can imagine, tears shed, brokenness felt. But it's in those things that were stripped away of, of these lies and misguided beliefs and rotten roots that often start to form in our lives when we are so young. And God is so gracious and he's so patient because if he were to reveal all of that in a moment, I think we would be so undone. Yeah, We wouldn't know what to do. And so God's growth, just like we see mirrored outside. I mean, right now, spring buds are starting to happen. He's bringing growth from the dead things outside, but it happens slowly. I mean, the flowers don't bloom overnight. It takes time and rain and storms and all of those different things. And the same is true in our life. So we can find hope looking at the word, but also looking at the world that is revealing God's glory, that's showing us what it means to grow and and be forged, like this faith to be forged in the dark places of our life. Yeah, And I, I remember the first time I shared, Rebecca, um, I shared with somebody else, I was not even close to healing. I mean, I was still in the thick of it. I was still seeing how deep that um, the stronghold had become. I was still kind of recognizing all of this, but it was after the Lord had showed me, this is not the end of your story. This is your story. You're in process. And there was a girl that 
that I knew. And I was around her and I, I just sensed, I could tell from one, her, her outer appearance because she was as skinny as I was. Um, she kind of had similar hair. And when I would eat with her in the dining halls, I noticed, okay, she's kind of doing the same things that I've been doing. And I knew that this girl loved the Lord like I did too. And I felt so alone in my struggle. I mean, I felt like good Christians don't struggle with this. Like mm. people who love Jesus don't struggle with this. But I saw her and I felt like the Lord just was calling me to share my story with her. And she would be the first person that I would share my story with. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes and said, me too, Gretchen. I, nobody knows I'm struggling with this. And 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 I know her today. I mean, she has she follows the Lord. She loves him. She has found healing. But God used both of us as we shared our stories and struggles with each other to encourage each other to press on towards healing, to press on towards wholeness in Christ. And that wholeness isn't just physically, you know, an eating disorder affects you physically, but that's also mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We are whole beings. And so not just to focus on, okay, how is my outer appearance being healed from an eating disorder? But I had to focus on how is my heart (laughs) finding healing and freedom? How is my mind changing and my thinking? And that came through the word of God and through the people of God coming alongside me to encourage me, to, um, to show me this way towards freedom. Yeah. And I love it. It is a it is a journey. You know, I think of my own life about a decade ago when panic attacks began with a force. You know, I kind of, while there was a moment of transformation that catalyzed healing, it still is still ongoing. And yes. there's a muscle memory there with patterns of behavior. And part of um part of what I would tell anybody is that when God's kind of arrested your life and got your attention, like for you when you realized about your hair or for me when I was just like, I actually am, I keep taking nine flights of stairs because I can't get on an elevator. When like when it takes kind of that wake up moment, that wake up call to go, all is not well. And if I don't experience the rescue of God, I'm not going to make it. Then I think what it does is it invites him in to the whole thing, not just the big the big thing, but like the everyday thing. So that then you know you have a source. You have a wellspring, right? You have like when you drink from the water I give, you will never be thirsty. So like knowing there will never be a shortage of what God provides us to push back the dark. There will never be a shortage or a vacancy or you just like drawing up empty when you when you're walking this healing journey out. And I love so much that even in the middle of that or the beginning of that, that God gave you courage to put courage in someone else. Because to encourage someone means to put courage in. And what you did was you like grew your faith just by opening up. And, And I do think that's a big component because what you did is you punched shame in the face by yes. going like, yep. I'm actually going to be the one who begins the conversation about this. I am no longer hiding. And when that happens, the enemy is done, though. Like he just doesn't have the power over you any longer when you're the one opting to go, you know what? I'm ready to talk about this. Right. I'm it's bringing ready. it out yep. of darkness into light. Yep. And I, and I just think that's amazing. So let's jump into these last couple moments. Like, 
this has just become a, an incredible ministry because God does that, right? What the enemy intends for harm, God always does for good. And these days were appointed before your before your life even began. So whatever means necessary it took to for you just to encourage women to have even a power, an authority that comes from actually walking it personally versus just a story or research, right? Like you've experienced it yourself, so you can just tell it from that place of authority. But um, let's talk about the well, the word, and the way. You started to tell me about this before we recorded, and I just loved how you framed it. Um, For women who are in this and they're walking into healing, give them your secret to how you have this source every day. Yeah. Absolutely. So Christ is the well, the word, and the way. That's where those three um, three main kind of, they're like anchors in our life. So Christ as the well, he is the well of fullness. He's the well that gives us grace and life and peace and purpose in the seasons that we are walking through in the places where he has appointed us. The well of, of truth, the well of fullness that Christ gives us is where we are planted in the gospel and rooted in his truth. And when we're rooted in his truth, he also uproots these rotten identity roots that like for me, we talked about went all the way back to that second grade memory when I felt like I was a failure. And that became a root that grew in my life and it eventually produced this rotten fruit. But God in his grace and in his mercy and because of the well of living water that he gives us, He replaces the rotten roots in our lives with gospel roots that then produce gospel fruit for the glory of God. And I think of John 10, 10, where Jesus says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So the well is when we drink deeply of the fullness of life that Christ came to give us. And then Christ as the word When we know his word, John 1, 1 says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The word is Jesus. To know Christ is to know God's word, is to grow daily in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we grow in him and as we grow in our knowledge of the word, we also learn what it means to abide in Christ, to remain in him, to make our homes in him. Mm -hmm. And that looks like, um, it looks like pruning. It looks like believing his word. It looks like identifying any false, um, false gospel, any false vine that we start to attach ourselves to and remaining attached to Jesus. And we do that through the word. And then Christ as the way. I love this in the book of Acts, followers of Jesus were called followers of the way. And Christ ultimately says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so if we want to walk in the way of fruitfulness, if we want to bloom and flourish for God's glory, it looks like following in Jesus' footsteps. And Jesus came to be a servant. He came to declare the gospel. He showed us what it looks like to live on mission in our everyday lives. And for a lot of us, that doesn't look super exciting. Um, I know for me, like I want it to look exciting and big, but it often looks like folding laundry with a heart of worship and caring for my kids and teaching them what it means to love like Jesus, even in my own brokenness and struggle. And it looks like going to work and saying, you know what? 
this matters. Like sending this email, I can send this email for the glory of God. I can, you know, bless this clerk or this waiter at the store for the glory of God. So he transforms our everyday into opportunities to worship and to know him and to make him known. I love that. So Christ, yeah, he's the he's the well, he's the word and the way and ultimately he is the source of life. He's he's what we're longing for when we're searching in all of these different areas. Um he is ultimately that joy. Yeah. I love it. Thank you, Gretchen. This is such a beautiful, I think it's it's a point for this moment for sure. Um, the release of this book, The Well-Watered Woman, Rooted in Truth, Growing in Grace, Flourishing in Faith. It's not just about being rooted, not just about growth, but it's also to flourish. And and that is the fullness um, that, that Jesus promises. And it's not just like, it's just not just trite or cliche. It's like, no, it's 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 an actual promise that He is faithful to fulfill. So thank you for being on today. Thank you for sharing this. Thank you for your obedience, your vulnerability. Um, I know this is going to minister to people who are all along different touch points of your story, that they find themselves there. And, I, and I'm trusting that God will meet them there. And, and especially as they, as they grab this book and dig in a little bit deeper, um, thank you so much for all that God has entrusted to you to share with the rest of us. Thank you, Rebecca. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Gretchen and Rebecca and this encouraging conversation and that as you move out today, that you're filled up again, that you're feeling refreshed, that you're feeling well-watered yourself as you move into your day and into your week and all those things that you're called to lead, maybe right at home in friendships and relationships. Uh, and I just want to remind you, Gretchen's book, The Well-Watered Woman's available everywhere. Hope you'll enjoy that and hope you have a wonderful week. 